This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Before I read this morning's reading, a couple of words about what you were about to hear. Once every three years, we read from Matthew's Gospel. We started reading from Matthew on the first Sunday of Advent, as we will the remainder of this liturgical year. Matthew is unique in that he tells the story of Jesus from a vantage point different than Luke and Mark and even John. Matthew tells his story from the vantage point of the Jewish male. In this case, particularly, we are hearing the story of Jesus from the eyesight, if you will, of Joseph. The first 17 verses of Matthew's Gospel are nothing than a genealogy. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, as Joseph's lineage is traced back to first David and then all the way back to Adam, because it was important in the Jewish society that the Messiah to come be a son of David. Now the reading. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For four weeks now in this Advent season, we have been focusing on the theme, Promises Made, and beginning next Sunday, Promises Kept. Throughout this Advent season, our attention has been drawn to several people as we have read the story of God's promise to save his people, indeed his entire creation. On the first Sunday of Advent, we were pointed to the prophet Isaiah, as we have been every Sunday since. And we heard Isaiah's promise, in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord shall be the highest mountain and people shall stream to her, and the Lord will judge with equity. There will be a period of peace 
where the sword shall be beat into plowshares and, and there will be no more war anymore. And on that first Sunday of Advent, we also were greeted with the promise in our gospel. <laughs> the day of the Lord is coming. Keep awake, be aware. It's coming at a time when you're not expecting it. Don't be caught with your pants down. And then in the second Sunday of Advent, we again meet up with Isaiah who tells us that God is about to make a new kingdom. And it's a, a kingdom where there is no more enmity, where wolf and lamb and leopard and kid and calf and lion all lay down together. And then in week number three, we, which we read last Sunday, we are told by Isaiah that in this new kingdom, the desert will bloom. And Pastor Jim preached on that last Sunday, if you remember. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the lame will leap like a deer. And coupled with Isaiah in week number two and week number three in our gospel, we meet up with this person of John the Baptist who has a few promises of his own. One is coming after I, whose thongs I am not even able to untie. Prepare for the day of the Lord is at hand. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So those are some of the people that we've met up with already in this Advent season. And now on this fourth Sunday of Advent, just a week before Christmas, as the story of the promise of God's salvation unfolds, the spotlight this morning is on the person of Joseph, the carpenter from Nazareth, the man to whom Mary was betrothed. Now, if there are three pericope cycles, A, B, and C, and we are in year A, and there are four Sundays in each of those pericope cycles, that means that over a three-year period, we have 12 Sundays in Advent. And only one of those 12 Sundays ever points to the person of Joseph. Throughout history, as the story of Christ's birth is told, a whole lot of attention is paid to Mary, the mother of Jesus and to angels, and to shepherds, and to magi. In our day, even the little drummer boy gets a little bit more press than Joseph does. As the story of Jesus' birth is told, Joseph seemingly has today what actors would call a cameo appearance, a stand-in role. He is uh, there on the scene, he's painted in the murals, he is posed in the creches, but he has no lines, and he plays an insignificant part. But once every three years, we read Matthew's account, which looks at Jesus' life from Joseph's vantage point. And in our gospel reading this morning, it would seem to indicate that Joseph's role in the divine drama is quite an important one. When we meet up with Joseph in our reading this morning, in this first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we learn that Mary is betrothed to him in marriage. That is, their parents have gotten together and agreed that their son and their daughter are going to get married. They were promised to each other. And in all probability, they were only a few weeks away from consummating this promised marriage. 
We do not know what ages they were, but most historians would lead us to believe that Mary was a young teenage woman who had just reached childbearing age, and that Joseph, her betrothed, was perhaps a few years older than Mary. In any case, as Matthew tells the story, Joseph learns that Mary, the one to whom he is betrothed, is pregnant. And Joseph knows he ain't the daddy. Now, our gospel writer does not dwell upon people's reaction to this choice bit of news, but you and I can just imagine how news of unwed Mary's pregnancy would have been greeted by the people in the village of Nazareth. Tongues would have been wagging, fingers would have been pointed, how dare you to not wait? But what if, heaven forbid, Joseph had blurted out, hey, it wasn't me. I'm not the father. What would we have done in Joseph's shoes? There is, after all, only one way that a woman can become pregnant. One way up to that point, anyway. <laughs> what would have been our conclusion had we been Joseph and we had been told by our fiancé that she was pregnant? You know, Luke's gospel records the story of shortly after Mary finds out she's pregnant, she heads south. She goes down to the hill country of Judea to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Is it any wonder she left Nazareth? Matthew records in his gospel, Joseph, her husband, that is, any man betrothed was already considered to be the husband. Joseph was a righteous man. And he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he made the decision to quietly divorce her. Joseph was a righteous man. That means he did what God required. That's what righteousness is, doing what the Lord requires. So here's the setting at this point. Joseph and Mary are betrothed to each other to marry. Mary discovers she's pregnant, Joseph knows he's not the father, but Joseph is ready to take the heat to save Mary from disgrace. He will quietly divorce her. That is his right as a male. Until God lets Joseph know that God has other plans. God sends a messenger, an angel, to Joseph in a dream. This is after Joseph has already decided he's going to divorce Mary. God lets Joseph know that divorce is not what God desires here. And God's messenger, God's angel, says to Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is God's plan. The child she carries is of God's design and God's purpose. Now, what follows next here are my words. They are not written in the Gospel of Matthew. But if Joseph is this righteous man, one who knows what God desires and would have him do, I can imagine Joseph having this conversation with himself. This child is going to need a father. This woman needs a husband. They're not going to stand a chance here in Nazareth without me. Somehow, some way. God let Joseph know that divorcing Mary was not the solution here to this set of circumstances. 
God was at work through this child. God was at work through this woman. And God was at work through Joseph. God had a plan for Joseph in all of this. And Joseph sensed it. And Joseph, to his eternal credit, did what few of us, I believe, would have done. He married Mary. He became the child's earthly father, even though he was not the biological father. He and Mary would be one of the last to arrive in Bethlehem for the census. It is, after all, not easy traveling on foot in mountainous terrain with a wife who is about to give birth. We are told in Luke's gospel that there's no room for them in the inn. Well, truth be told, if Bethlehem was indeed the home of Jacob's ancestors, there would have been relatives there. There would have been family that that Joseph could have stayed with. He could have stayed comfortably with them, but not under these disgraceful circumstances, not with Mary pregnant. In two weeks, on the first Sunday after Christmas, we will continue reading this story from Joseph's vantage point, and we will see where he gave up his carpenter shop for over two years to hide out in Egypt with the Holy Family, fearing for his son's life because of King Herod. As the story unfolds in Matthew's gospel, one begins to understand what following God's will must have meant for Joseph. It's an amazing story. The circumstances of Jesus' birth, the Savior of our world, are incredible. And Joseph from Nazareth plays no small part. Scripture simply records him as a righteous man. We remember and celebrate him this morning as the one who heard God's word and followed it regardless of the cost to himself. Today, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we prepare yet again to celebrate the birth of Christ, and as we contemplate the person and the role of Joseph in this divine drama, we might well ask ourselves, What does this message, what does this story have to say to us today? What can we learn that will help us in our own lives? And as I again read of this humble and unpretentious, the the circumstances of Jesus' birth, I'm struck by the thought that this story, which could have been utter catastrophe for so many people, was just the opposite. Not only was it not a catastrophe, it was a miracle. It was the means of God's salvation. It had the marks of catastrophe all over it. Law said that Mary could have been stoned to death. Why was this story not a catastrophe? Because the people in this story are sensitive to God's will. They're open to hearing what God has to say to them. Not only does Mary believe that the child she carries is of God's design, she sees God here at work when the rest of the world would have said, this is nothing short of hell. And Joseph too is willing to look beyond his own hurt, his own indignation. He looks beyond his own rights and is mindful that what's important here is not Joseph's desire 
but God's will. And it makes me wonder as we look at our own lives and the situations that we may consider at times calamitous, if not disastrous, and certainly hellacious. How sensitive are we to God's voice and to trying to discern God's will? Are we, like Joseph, receptive to asking God, what is best for everyone here, not just me? Are we, like Joseph, willing to set aside our will, our desires, and are we open to consider that God may have other plans and designs not only for us, but for those our lives touch? Sometimes I think we are way too quick to exercise our own will. We're not patient and selfless and courageous enough to consider God's will. Joseph had every right to divorce Mary. No one would have blamed him, but he didn't. What could have been a catastrophe was not. Instead, it was miraculous. It was the means of God's way of saving us. May Joseph be an inspiration to us to look beyond ourselves, to look at the needs of those around us, the those lives our lives touch. And we ask, what is God's will here? Not just for me, but for those I have responsibility for. And may we, like Joseph, have the wisdom and the courage to know the difference between our will and God's will. And may we follow God's will. Perhaps then we too will experience the new life and salvation God desires for us. Amen.